with us. If I've never met you before, my name is Aaron Jane. I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Coastline Church. It is the highlight of my life. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity. Those of you that are joining us online, as I said a moment ago, we miss you. We love you. We can't wait for you to be able to come back and experience all of this with us. We know that the online is a great tool, but it's not a substitution for, for being in the house of God with our brothers and sisters and everything God is doing here. Next week, we're beginning the brand new series that I mentioned a few weeks ago on the book of Ephesians. A few years ago, we went through the book of Galatians, Jesus plus nothing. It's the, the foundation of our faith, the grace of God. And I thought it was going to be a six-week series because there's six chapters in the book of Galatians that turned into a 22-week series. <laughs> And so I'm not even going to predict how long Ephesians is going to take to get through. Ephesians is one of the richest books in the Bible. It's the cliff notes of Christianity. I would encourage you on this. If, you, if you've never read the Bible before and you can only read one book, read the letter of Ephesians. It explains everything you know. It is the, the cliff notes of our entire faith. And I would love for all of you to read the book of Ephesians. It should take you most people, less than 30 minutes to read the book of Ephesians. It's just six short chapters. You can read it this week before we dive into the series next week. As always, I'm encouraging everyone, especially during Ephesians, get a paper Bible. If you can, bring it with you on Sunday. There's nothing like marking it up and highlighting. I was talking to somebody this week, having coffee with them. They said, you know, we started bringing our Bible back to church. And it was amazing because as I was underlining and, and making notes of what I was hearing that Sunday, I was seeing notes that I wrote 10 years ago, 20 years ago, five years ago, and what God was speaking to me at different seasons of my life. And it just brought so much richness back to my soul. And so that, that's the power of having a paper Bible to be able to take those notes and highlight. And then if you've got a journal, bring a journal. We're not going to be giving you message notes during this series because, again, it's so much is fresh every week, and you don't really need to write down what I say. Uh, what I say, you can get off the video. You can rewatch that later in the week. What you really need to write down is what God is speaking to you specifically about what I'm saying. That's the power of taking notes. So many times people come to me and they said, man, when you said that last Sunday, and I never said that last Sunday, like they heard something I never said. What was happening was the Holy Spirit was speaking to them directly about something in their life, and they heard it. They thought it was me saying it, but it wasn't in my notes. It was nothing that I said. It was God speaking clearly to them, and it was a life-changing word. There's something about being in the atmosphere where it positions you to hear differently from God. And, and that's the power of taking notes. Grow Weekend is coming up June 5th and 6th. We're inviting everyone to be a part of growing in your faith this summer, going deeper. There's a number of classes and opportunities. We do connect groups spring and fall. And then in the summer, we offer just different courses where you can grow deeper in your faith in different ways. And so there's, there's information on that on our website. You can find something that, that you want to enrich your faith with this summer and just grow deeper. It's going to be a great opportunity. For those of you interested in going to Israel tonight after the 4 p.m. service, we're having a very short informational meeting. We'll answer any questions you have. We know many of you signed up for the trip that's coming up this October. If you didn't sign up but you want to come and ask some questions and, and you're just interested in it, after the 4 o'clock service tonight, meet in here, and we'll answer all of those questions. We've been in this series, Honor, for the last few weeks. It, it started out of the book of Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, where the prophet, speaking on behalf of God, God says, where is the honor due me? Where, where is the honor that is due 
my name. And what we've seen today is we've seen a culture that has lost honor. In fact, if you want to know what's wrong with America today, every issue, every problem, every situation we're dealing with in America today is a lack of honor. We have forgotten how to honor people. We've forgotten how to disagree respectfully. We're in a culture now where if I disagree, there's, there's no longer I agree to disagree. It's if I disagree with you, I hate you, and I'm going to try to destroy you. That's the culture we're in right now. It's a lack of honor. When we look at honor, honor means to add weight or to add value to something. Dishonor means to take it lightly. You remove the weight, you remove the value, you take it lightly. Uh, week two of the series, we looked at the six different things God calls us to honor, six very specific things in the Bible the Bible directs us to honor. Week three, we had Michelle Keener, who just did a fantastic job. And then we had honor your mother on Mother's Day. I know a lot of the people love that. I had a lot of parents say, I'm making my teenager listen to that once a week. From here on out, which fine with me, last week, how, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Rick last week, one of our overseers? And I love that guy. That guy is, is one of the most amazing people in my life. He is he has helped me so much learn how to pastor, learn how to love people, learn how to be kind. One of my big weaknesses in life is I'm a terrible listener. If you've ever been around me, you know that. Uh, that's why I'm, a, I'm you know, not a great connect group leader because I do all the talking. I like to dominate the conversation. And, and God's really been dealing with me over that, that I need to learn how to listen better. And Pastor Rick, over the last year, has really been working with me on, on how do I listen and really hear the heart of people. And it's something that I'm trying to grow in because uh, just, you can ask my wife or anyone that knows me, it's, it's, not, it's not a strength of mine listening. Uh, I like to hear my own voice. I like to hear what I have to say oftentimes. And it's not always good, especially when you're you know, meeting with people and, and you need to get to know their heart a little bit. And so that's something Pastor Rick's really been working with me on. Today, we're going to close out this series on how do we honor. We're going to get very, very practical. How do we honor? Paul says in Romans chapter 12, the letter that he wrote to the Roman Christians, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And then here's, here's the instruction for today. Honor one another above yourself. We are to honor one another above ourselves. We rarely do that. We, we may honor people, but we always honor them below ourselves. We always honor ourselves the most, and then we honor everyone else in our life second. You know, we live in a culture today that almost we've made it a sport out of putting people down. I don't know if you've ever looked at Instagram or Facebook or social media, or especially Twitter. Uh, we love to just tear people apart, put people down, put them in their place, let them know everything they're doing wrong. People we've never met before, we love to just get out there and criticize and blast. Like We actually have the ability to change the world through our tweet. And that's the culture we live in today. We, we become so critical as a nation, so negative, so divisive, so polarized. And what I'm doing is I'm calling us back to honor. And again, we don't honor people because of who they are. We honor people because of who we are. Because you don't honor people who deserve honor. You honor people because of who you are. So when I, dishon when I go on social media and I dishonor somebody I've never met before because I don't agree with their politics, I don't expose who they are. I expose who I am. It doesn't reveal their character. It reveals my character. Because I am called as a child of God to be a person of honor. So let me show you three things you can do on how to honor that the Bible makes clear to us. First is you got to prioritize honor in your life. It's got to be a priority. 
See, whatever you honor in life, you prioritize. In other words, you let it go first. Ever been walking into a grocery store at the same time somebody else was walking into the grocery store, and you say, well, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. You let them go first. Well, you say, well, that's just being courteous. No, that's showing honor. Remember what Paul said, honor one another above yourself. I will let you go in. For, I'm going to honor you. It's, it's small. It's little. It, it doesn't, I'm not just going to be oblivious to the people around me and just kind of do my own thing. I'm going to pay attention to people around me, honor people around me. I'm going to let them go first because I want to be a person of honor. It's, it's priority. So much of our life, we're just focused on what we need, what we want, looking out for number one. But honor is the attitude that you go first. I don't know about you, but driving, this is, <laughs> this is not the easiest area in my life in driving. Because when it comes to driving, I want to be first all the time. I don't want anyone merging into my lane. Like, I will inch up, like, like I, and you can't make eye contact. Because as soon as you make eye contact, they can become a human, and then you've got to let them in. <laughs> but as long as you don't look at them, they're just a robot. It's just, it's just a, a mechanical machine driving next to you with no feelings and no emotion. You don't have to let them in if you don't make eye contact. But honor is learning how to say, you know what, this, this three seconds isn't going to change my life by, by letting them in first. You know, th these are the things that I'm working on. I found out recently from my wife and my son that I'm a honkaholic. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I'm encouraging people. There are people, you know, they need to be encouraged to stop looking at their phone and move when the light turns green. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just encouragement, but, you know... My family wants me to work on this, so we're going to work on it. <laughs> Prioritize it. Whatever, in other words, whatever is first is honored. Whatever is first is honored. Husbands, let me give you a great tip. Let your wife in the car first, even if you've got to walk around and open up the door. Let her feel honored. Let her in first. Let her open the door. Help people feel honored in life. Now, What's interesting about this concept is the Bible actually doesn't give us a whole lot of practical advice on how we live out a life of honor. Now, the Bible talks a lot about honor, but it doesn't talk a lot about how to do it practically. How do you, how do you really practically do it? One of the very few ways in Scripture the Bible shows us how to honor God in a very practical way is with our possessions. You can study this out. Really, it's one of the only practical ways because a lot of it is just subjective. Honor God in your marriage and honor God in your parenting and honor God in your week. And a lot of that is, okay, how do I practically do that? But in the area of our possessions, the Bible is very clear. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. So one of the things we are to practically do as followers of Jesus is we are to honor God with our wealth. Now, what this means is it's not just whatever you want or however you want, but it's very clear, with the first fruits of all your crops, not with the leftovers, but with the first. And what it's talking about here is the tithe. And a lot of people really misunderstand what the tithe is all about. I want to help you understand something. God doesn't need your stuff. He's doing just fine. I know a lot of you feel like the tithe is all about God needing something from you. God doesn't need your stuff. God simply wants to know where does he rank in your life? What level of priority does God have in your life? And one of the ways we show him where he ranks in our life is with our possessions. 
So the principle of tithing is not about God wanting you to finance stuff for him. He just wants to know where he ranks in your heart. It's to demonstrate to God that you are more important in my life than Visa. You're more important than my mortgage. You're more important than my car payment. You're more important than the grocery store. Now, this is our story, so don't let this you know, put any condemnation or, or shame on you. The worst thing you could do is follow this principle because you feel obligated to. This is not a principle that you have to do. This is a life-giving principle that once you understand it, you want to do it. But in our finances, in our home, Amanda and I, the very first thing we do, because again, it's all about priority and it's all about God being first. Anytime we receive anything, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a gift, whether it's a salary, a paycheck, a bonus, doesn't matter what it is. Anytime money comes into our account, the very first transaction is to God. God gets the first fruit of everything we receive. He always gets the first portion. So before we go to the grocery store, before we pay any bills, God gets the first. And it's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. We get to honor God because of who he is in our life. I wanted to know, God, you're first in my life. You're number one. You're the priority. And the priority of it is actually more important than the amount. This is what a lot of people misunderstand. It's not the amount that matters to God. It's the priority of it that matters to God. God simply wants to know, am I first? So a lot of people think, if I give God 10%, I'm tithing. No, if you give God 10%, that's not a tithe. When we return to God, the first 10%, it's a tithe. The Bible actually never says give a tithe. Never. It says return or bring. You cannot give something unless it belongs to you. The first portion never belonged to you. All we can do is return that portion, or we bring that portion to God. It's the first fruit. So giving God 10%, because I had it left over at the end of the month, there's no priority in that. That doesn't honor God. That doesn't let God know he's first in my life. That's God, I had it left over so I can, I can afford to give this to you. There's no priority to that. There's no honor. It's always the first. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. Honor God with everything you own. And this isn't just possessions, by the way. It is possessions. The Bible's clear it's possessions, but it's also with your time. That's why the first part of the day, the best thing any of us can do, the first part of the day is spend that time with God. Before you check email, before you get on social media, get into God's Word. Spend a little bit of time in prayer. The first day of the week. Why do we go to church the first day of the week? Because we say, God, God, before I go to work on Monday morning, I'm going to give you the first day. You get priority in our family schedule. Before we do anything else as a family, you have priority. The first day of the week is yours. The first part of the morning is yours. The first part of everything I receive is yours. It's priority. You prioritize honor. Second thing we do is we proclaim it. Proclaim it. Honor has a language to it. Honor has a vocabulary. We have to learn how to express honor with our words. We get so loose with our tongue in the world today. That's why everything is so negative and so, so much vitriol out there and so much just, it's just cursing, cursing, cursing. And I'm not talking about cussing. I'm talking about just, just cursing people, saying the most negative, horrible things over other people and even people we've never met before. Honor comes from the tongue. I love the Apostle Paul, because when you read Paul, all of his letters, he has shout-outs. 
Like, if you ever read the end of one of Paul's letters, he has all these random people that he just honors. Like, I want to give this person honor. I want to give this person double honor. I want to give this person honor because they took care of me. They, Onesiphorus, like, I love Onesiphorus. Don't name any of your kids Onesiphorus. But I love that guy because for whatever reason, Paul said he refreshed me and I want to just give him a shout out. I want to honor him. And now 2,000 years later, we're talking about Onesiphorus because he refreshed Paul. Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus took care of my needs and I just want to honor him. You see, Paul proclaimed honor with his words. He spoke honor. He wrote honor over people. So, so, so let's make it a rule of our tongue. So here's the catch line. Our words either honor or dishonor. There's no such thing as a neutral word. A few years ago, we did a series called Words, and we talked about the value of our words. And one of the questions I asked you that Sunday, if you remember, I said, do you mind if I speak freely to you for a moment? And everyone said yes. And I said, well, the reality is I can't speak freely because words cost. Every word has a value. It either has a positive value or a negative value, but there is no free words. There is no neutral words. I'm either speaking life or I'm speaking death. What are you speaking over your marriage right now? What are you speaking over your children? What are you speaking over your business or your career? You know, it's amazing to me. We dealt with this in the word series that, you know, in in our culture today, we've made like the really, really bad cuss word, you know, like the F word, like never say that. That's like the worst word. But yet, we, we, we make another word, the easiest word to say, and I even hear Christians say the word all the time. And when you study it biblically, and I know why Satan did this to us, because the F word, if you really look at the definition of it, it's very crude, it's vulgar, it's ugly, but it's not that bad of a word. There's another word that we use all the time that Satan has made it like a minor word, but it actually has 10 times more power than the F word, and it's the word damn. Because you study it biblically, it means damnation. Why would we damn anything in our life? Damn my wallet, my car, my, my, you hit your thumb with a hammer, and, and all of a sudden the world, like you have enough problems in your life to be damning yourself. <laughs> but again, if I was Satan and I understood what Scripture says, there's power of life and death in your tongue, then I would want you not saying the F word because it really doesn't, and don't, don't go say it, I'm not giving you permission to say it, <laughs> but what I'm saying is it really doesn't mean a whole lot. The word The other word has a lot of power to it, and you're releasing stuff in the atmosphere every time you use that word, and you've got to be very careful and cautious when and where you use that word and how you use it, because there is no neutral words. You know, we got to to be life-giving with our words. Reminds me of a couple that were fighting and arguing, and they were just criticizing each other and being negative to each other and putting each other down, and they were driving out in the country, and the husband thought he'd get a little bit witty because they were driving by a farm, and there's all these muddy, filthy pigs playing in a pig pen out there, and so the husband, being all witty and cool, says to his wife, relatives of yours? And without missing a beat, she snapped back, yeah, (laughs) in-laws. You don't want that fight. I love what the book of James says, talking about the tongue. He says, sometimes, meaning the tongue, it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. It's the only thing in life that our tongue has contrasting power. Nothing else in life can do that. A spring either gives you fresh water or bitter water, but it cannot give you both. An apple tree produces apples. It cannot produce apples and oranges. The tongue is the only thing in all of creation that has the power to contrast itself, to be able to 
to come to church and worship God, God, I love you, and we're going to sing these songs, and my tongue is singing these songs, and then I get in the car and cuss the first person that cuts, cuts me off. Somebody made in the image of God. And again, we honor people because of the DNA of God that's inside of them. Again, I don't honor people because they deserve honor. I honor people because every single person I will ever meet, even the ones I don't like, even the ones I disagree with, even the ones I think that are destroying America, were people that Jesus Christ went to a cross, shed his blood, and died for. We need a culture of language. And he goes on to say, and so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. This is not who we are as believers. It's not what we've been called. We're called to live by a different standard. Well, they deserve it. No, let's let God decide that. Let's speak life and bless those who curse you, Jesus says. Here's a great verse to adopt to live by. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say, everything, everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. What if you adopted that verse over your marriage? What would your marriage look like six months from now if you made that the motto of your marriage? What, what would your parenting look like? What would your relationship with your children, what would your relationship with your employees, your boss, your, your co-workers, your supervisor look like if you adopted that as your mantra? And look at the very next verse because these are connected. This is I want to I show you how serious this is to God. Look at the next verse. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. What brings sorrow to God's Holy Spirit? The way we use our words. These verses are connected. He's talking about the life-giving speech. And when we don't have life-giving speech, all of a sudden we're grieving the Spirit of God because we're not speaking life over people that he desperately loves. He loves them. It's like as a parent, if you've got one child who hates another child, it grieves you as a parent. Because you want, you, want you want the brothers to love each other because you love both of them. You don't want them hating each other. That's, that's why the Holy Spirit feels sorrow when we speak negativity over other people. It's the same principle. So let's embrace an honor. And then finally, here's number three, we've got to protect honor. We've got to protect it. Again, the definition of honor is to place value or weight on something. Everything that you value is protected. That's why we have safes at home. What do we put in a safe? Things that we value. If we value that piece of jewelry, if we value whatever it is, we, we protect it. We lock it away. We keep it safe. The best way to honor is to place value on something and the guard it. And here's why the, the byline is the more you value it, the more you value from it. If you protect your wallet and you care for your wallet and you don't lose your wallet, then you get the value of being able to pull a card out when you need a card. If you lose it, you don't get any value from it. You got to protect what is important in life. You got to value, you got to honor things. You know, we looked at this a little bit week one, but, but let me remind you the story of Noah. Noah, you know, the great Noah who built the ark, never rained before. God says, I want you to build this giant 
boat, three football fields long. I know it's never rained. I know you have no idea what it's going to do, but build this thing. And he has the faith to spend the next couple hundred years with his family building this ark. And then the flood comes and he, he survives the flood. After the flood, things got a little bit easier for Noah. He grew a vineyard, started you know, bottling his own wine at home, and one day just got a little bit drunk. And he had a son named Ham who did not honor his father, did not put any value or weight on his father, and he exposed his father. He went to his brothers, you should go look at dad. Dad is drunk. He's passed out back home. But the other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, they honored their father. They, they protected their, they didn't expose their father, they protected him. So they put the cloak around their shoulders, and they walked in backwards, not looking on their father's nakedness. And, and instead of exposing him, they covered up their father. And as a result, the Bible tells us they were incredibly blessed by their father, a blessing that God translated into their generations, into the very tribe of Israel. All through that blessing, when Ham became cursed, and he became an outcast, and his people went on to struggle. You see, you value from what you value. How attractive would our church be if we learn to have each other's backs, to protect one another. Jesus said by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. What would it look like if we just defended God a little bit more? A few years ago, back when you know, they used to have gyms and you could go to gyms and work out and they'd have, I mean, before 2020, this whole world went upside down. I was in the steam room at my gym, and I was just sitting. I love going in the steam room after I work out, just, just sweating and sweating and sweating. I'm in there, and this guy's in there talking, and, and, and he's mad about something, talking about something that happened, and, and, then, he, and, then, he, and then he yells out, Jesus Christ, you know, like, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. He had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Don't blame him. And he looked at me like, what in the world are you talking about? I said, look, man. Jesus didn't do it. I promise you. Leave him alone. He's innocent. I said, the only thing he did was die. And it was like, it shocked him for a moment. He's like, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> what would it look like if we took a stand for the guy who went to the cross on our behalf? Who do you speak for? I love what John 7, 18 says. Those who speak for themselves. Who do you speak for? Who do you stand up for? Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves, but a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Are you, are you honoring the one that sent you? Let, let's protect and honor the dignity of our God. The way you honor your life also defends the honor of him who died for you, the way you honor yourself. So in closing, let me put it like this. Uh, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So let me break this down. In, in, in our homes, we've got fine china and we've got paper plates. We've got dishes that we got on our wedding day that we've never used. I don't know about you, but I have dishes in my house that we've had now for 15 years that have never been used. They've never even been pulled out of the box. They're, they're for a special occasion when the Pope shows up to have dinner at our house. <laughs> like they've never been used before. They're fine china. And then we've got paper plates that we use and we, we throw them away. They're, they're disposable. It says some are for honor and some are for dishonor. 
Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself. Notice it doesn't say God does this for you. It says you do this for you. You make a decision to say, God, I want to be clean. I want to live clean. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. He will be a vessel. See, this is, this is my heart. This, this is what I would love to see our church reflect in the culture, that we would become vessels of honor, that we would allow God to work in us. We, we would come to God and say, God, cleanse us, cleanse us. We, we submit to you. We commit to your ways and your, your way of doing things so that we could be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Let me put it like this. A surgeon can use a dull knife, but he can use a sharpened knife so much more effectively. God can use a dull knife, but what would it look like if we gave God a sharpened knife? God, I want to give you my life fully. In every area of my life, use me for every good work. In other words, be a vessel of honor. So as we close out, I looked at all the verses in the Bible, studied them on what is honor. How, how does honor take place? And I really wanted, as we end this series, to leave you with one final thought, one value that I can give you where you can take this concept of honor and store it deep into your heart and have it become a new culture, a new way of life for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you four verses that highlight this one value that will help you build your life on honor, and then I'm going to give you the value. Proverbs 15, 33, fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Look at this, humility. Humility precedes honor. Humility comes first, then you live a life of honor. Proverbs 18, 12, haughtiness or pride goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Those who are humble become vessels of honor. Those who are humble live a culture of honor. Proverbs 22, 4, true humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, to honor and long life. Humility leads us to honor. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. The one thing all of us need to maintain this every day is humility. It is the key to honor. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not insecurity or low self-esteem. Humility is simply thinking of yourself less. Remember what Paul said, honor one another above yourself? I'm not going to put myself first. I'm going to put others first. And I know that this doesn't appeal to the selfish nature that we have. Sometimes messages in church do appeal to the selfish nature. Do this and your marriage will be better. Do this and you'll be able to sleep at night. Do this and you're going to have more peace. And there's a lot in the Bible that benefits us. God designed us. God created us. This is the owner's manual for how this thing works best. And I know this doesn't immediately appeal to the selfish side of us because we think if I put other people above myself, I'm putting myself down. The truth is, when you learn to live a life of honor, if your selfish nature could get this, you'd be doing this in a heartbeat. And again, I'm not asking you to do it because of the selfish side of you. I'm just trying to make the point that honor will always put you out on top. Jesus said, the last will become first. It's the way it works. So when you begin to honor other people, it doesn't matter who they are. 
Go back to week two. Listen to the six areas of honor. The people that we honor. You honor other people above yourself. You'll always come out on stop. How does it start? Humility. You know, I heard it say that a man on his knees can't fall from that position. Think about it. You wake up every day, you get on your knees before God. God, I give you my life. I submit my life to you. I surrender. I did that this morning in my office at home. 4.30 this morning, on my knees before God. God, I give you this day. I give you my life today. Do you know when you start the day on your knees, it's the most humbling position you can start from, and humility allows you to live a culture of honor? You see, when I know that God, who created all of the universe, loves and adores me, when I understand the gospel and understand how much he cares about me, it's easy to put other people first because I have the God of the universe putting me first. So my love bank is full. I don't need to take care of me because I'm full. I can put other people first because my needs are met from the God of the universe. See, this is, this is the key to marriage. This is something that, you know, I meet with my accountability partner every week. One of the things that he's, he's teaching me is don't go to your wife to meet your needs. Go to God to meet your needs, and then you can give out in your marriage. And the amazing thing is when I learned to give out in my marriage... Everything I was wanting my wife to do up front, she begins to do naturally when I learn to let God meet my needs and I just put her first. Now, I wish I could tell you I have this down every day. It's a work in progress. But it's steps I'm taking. It's a movement, but it begins with humility. The more I humble myself, the more I go to God and submit to Him, the more He strengthens me and empowers me, the more I can live a culture of honor and honor people. So we're going to honor with our mouth, we're going to honor with our actions. We're going to honor with our language. We're going to honor with our possessions. We're going to make it a priority. We're going to protect it. And here's what's going to happen in your life when you become a person of honor. God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. You can't honor people when you're proud. When you're proud, you're not honoring them. You're, you're, you're doing it selfishly. You're honoring them for what you can get out of it. So I'm going to honor strategically because I know it'll end up benefiting me in return. So I'll honor the right people at work so that they'll work harder and make me more money. You understand what I'm saying? See, there is a type of honor that is selfish and manipulative. But it comes out of pride. It comes out of looking out for number one. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we learn to humble ourselves before God humble ourselves before other people. It's easy. When I'm humble, it's easy to honor someone else as above myself. I can let them have that spot in traffic, even though I want that three seconds of my life. I can say, you know what? Come on in. I'll give you this spot. You go first. You, you can go first. Uh, at the grocery store the other day, again, I like to get through everything quickly. I don't like waiting. I, I, I just Waiting is not my favorite thing in life. And I'm there, and I had like three items in my cart, and there was this, this elderly lady, and she had a cart full of stuff. And I knew it was going to take a while. I knew, and, and mine was going to be pretty quick, and I just felt like God say, let her go first. And I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. This is not you, God. Because <laughs> I knew this wasn't going to be, but I said, okay. And I let her go first. And you know what? It didn't, it didn't destroy my day at all. It actually brought a lot of joy to me that day. Being able to say, you go first. I'm going to honor you above myself, even though it would be much more convenient, much easier for me to go, I'm going to let you.
take this spot. Just pray that I'll do that more than once. (laughs) Would you close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for this challenging series of honor. And God, I pray that it will go deep into our heart, that you would teach us to learn this as a culture, as a language, as a behavior, as a lifestyle, that we would walk in a humility of knowing who you are and how much you value us and how much you love us. Where it gives us a security, a sense of esteem that I don't have to look out for number one, knowing how the God of the universe feels about me. I can actually live my life honoring others above myself because of the value you placed on my life when you sent your son Jesus to die for me. So Lord, let the gospel transform us from the inside out. This is not a series about behavior and doing better. It's a series about you transforming our heart through the gospel, giving us a sense of humility where this becomes nature to us. It's not what we have to do. It's what we want to live out because of who we are in you. I pray that you would reveal that truth to people, that not one person will walk out of here today thinking, well, I need to clean up my act. I need to do better. Let them not leave with that attitude, but let them leave with the sense of, wow, look at what God has done for me. Look at how good God is. Look at how much God loves me. It's easy for me to honor others in light of how much God loves me. Let their heart be changed in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? We're going to close out with one song of worship. Let's celebrate together one more time before we leave today.